Hey, welcome everybody. Today we have Ed Lattimore coming in here. He has uh, overcome quite a bit in his life. I, I am naturally drawn to people that um, have rich life experiences and can help other people who might be trying to um, find, a, find a path out. Uh, Ed, in addition to having gotten sober in 2013, is a former pro heavyweight boxer. He's a veteran and has a degree in physics, just, uh, just, just for nothing, as they, as they say in Staten Island. So uh, we'll be interested to talk to him. We will take your calls as well. And remember, if you raise your hand at Twitter Spaces to come on up and ask your question, you are agreeing to stream out on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. And I just learned from Caleb, uh, maybe three, superstar. three international platforms that I didn't even know about. So it's sort of a broadcast of sorts. So we appreciate you all being here. And of course, I'm on Restream and we're over with the Rumble Ranters as well, seeing what they have to say. And uh, yeah, we'll get this thing going with the Lattimore in just a second. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Hey, everybody. Welcome on this uh, important day. This is the 31st anniversary of Susan and Drew. 721-22. And, 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 I, and I was thinking about that. Seven, yeah, 720, but it, oh, look at that good picture. And uh, it was a ridge. That ridge was last uh, Sunday when we celebrated our our anniversary dinner at Quality Italian. Oh, interesting. That's where that was. That's why I took it. Interesting. Because we're not going out tonight. Right. We're staying home tonight, and uh, we have to travel a bit, so we'll be around. But but um, I was thinking about how our kids were born on 11-11-11, 11-11-92. And then I thought, wow, you know, we were married in 721, a lot of sevens. And I went, wait, 721-91? Is that a is that a fa is that a factor of seven? I don't know. So seventy, yeah, it is. So it's like it's all it divisible been. by seven. Uh -huh. well, their stuff is all around eleven, and our stuff is and all around seven. And seven's my lucky number. When you're playing craps, it tends to be. I don't know why you bet against it. No, but... I, I, it's now my lucky number. It was twenty-two for a while, then it was thirty-three, and now it's seven. Interesting. Well, seven. I'm, it I'm changes. Glad as you to be part of that. But it is all. You gotta. What's that? You gotta also keep in mind. Whose birthday it is today? Well, that's where I was going next. Yeah, <laughs> somebody else's lucky number. Look at that, Camden's first birthday is today. It's easy for us to remember now. Look, that's the happiest baby on earth, I believe. When we say so, so? you're and so talking cute. talking about those numbers, Drew. So Camden's birthday is seven twenty one twenty one. Well, what's twenty one? That's three sevens. So you take seven, 21, and yeah. 21. No, I know. Seven, seven. Yeah. So he's our little seven yeah. baby. Yeah. He's, just, he's with us. He's, <laughs> we're, we're seven, 21, 91. And it's also, you know, that's. I don't know. Well, whatever. 14 sevens or whatever. You guys, numerology you guys yeah, I know. It you're is. being silly. And by the way, whenever we've, you know, Susan goes in for this stuff, as you know. And so whenever we've hit numerologists, they always go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, the numbers. Oh, uh. Ooh, yeah. Your life is Just going based to be on good. our birthdays before they ever hear all this stuff. So happy birthday, Camden. 
And happy uh, anniversary, Drew. Happy anniversary, Thank Susan. you for putting up with me for 31 years. It's been good. And look, we were like that about 30 years ago. We had three of those <sighs> at the same time, my f- first birthday. And so, you know, it happens. It's it was it, a it, it was a good run. You know what I mean? Well, we've not, had a good not, run. We're not dying and we're not divorcing. What do you what do you mean? No, but it's funny because we've like, had a good run. Sorry, the, we, peace well, out, everybody. The intro to the show, he says relationship expert. It goes across the banner, and yeah. I said, I said, aren't you glad that we're still together? Like it looks a lot better. Well, you almost can't be a relationship expert unless you've had three divorces. It seems like that's a requisite except for our situation. I mean, which I always thought was just ridiculous. Listen, we survived triplets. And as we discussed with the attorney yesterday, often no training in shitty relationships and people call themselves a relationship expert. So, okay. No, I know. I remember when you used to, like, you would have relationship experts on Loveline back in the day and everything. And I was like, well, what makes them a relationship expert, you know? And let's be clear. Human relationships are exceedingly complicated. I don't know if anybody really is a relationship expert. You know what I mean? No, there are. How do you, unless you've been together 31 years. I'm giving you credit. You know who does a good job with nobody the, could be an expert. Well, no, it, it requires a really serious level of training, and the the emotionally focused therapists, in my experience, make good relationship uh, therapists. Okay, they're very good at doing that. So um, maybe I'll get one on here. We'll get um, yeah, we'll get one of my friends on here to talk about this because it's an interesting topic. It but, is. Yeah. Well, I, so f- from the peanut gallery, thank you for all of your uh, congratulations on the restream. Susan is pushing to have more caller show only. Let me know on the restream. Well, not only, but you guys seem to really like. No, I'm not saying do hearing only your call peers shows. and asking questions. I think it's a it's call something, only shows, right? Call which only, only callers. Yeah, um, we love our guests, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, I just think that it they we've had such great callers ask such great questions, mm-hmm. and we kind of go in whatever direction. Mm-hmm. A lot of COVID. You know, I don't want to do it too much because then it's just COVID nation. Right. But um, but I think that everybody who's on Twitter right now, if you have anything you want to talk about, you know, go ahead and just offer your name, your, you know, make a request because we want to talk about what you want to talk about. Because right. I think that really is a good, like, format for this show. Right. So we'll maybe look more towards that direction. I'm trying I've to a, make it sound professional. I, I've I'm got not, a bunch of other guests. I'm not I, dissing my guests. I, I, I like our no, guests. No, I'm interested in talking. I'm interested in talking to my guests today. And there are a few other people I want to get in here. So I'm just interested. I get interested in people and their story and I want to uh, tell it. And so let's let today be no, no exception. Ed Lattimore, as I said, was a former boxer, a veteran, a physics, has a physics degree and has recovered from addiction. He has a TED talk. Please welcome Ed Lattimore. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you, sir? So we 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 tried to figure, we tried to retrace our steps because I remember I I retweeted or commented or something you said long time ago, and I've been following you f- from a distance, but I, I read your stuff and and I like it. And then all of a sudden you reached out on uh, DM, and I'm like, yeah, well for sure, I'll talk to Ed. Let's do it. And here we are. Yeah, I have so, no idea how anything how we connected at all but happy to be here man <laughs> how anything happens so tell your story I, I don't want you to necessarily uh you know sort of undermine your ted talk but i i'm interested in just your your broad strokes where you come from how physics got involved with this you know there's, there's a lot of turns in your story i'm like how did that happen so give it give us the broad strokes to start with 
I I give you the broad strokes and and really the the abridged version, and then I'm sure there'll be things we can pick up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, on the way through. So so my, my the first part of my life, I was born into the, the typical at risk environment, single mom living in public housing, uh, on and off public assistance, all those things, and that environment tends to swallow you up. But I think one of the reasons why I didn't get sucked up into it, you know, part of it is, is luck and nature, kind of how you're designed and and the parent you get. And and my mom did a lot of things wrong, but I think, you know, one of the things she did extremely well is is I, I always mostly felt loved at home. You know, I, I never I never wanted to be part of that life. It never looked appealing to me. So I ended up playing a lot of video games to stay in the house and keep myself occupied. Until I, you know, turned 14, and then I ended up going to a school way across town in a completely different socioeconomic bracket, and and that, you know, exposed me to a lot of a lot of different stuff. That, you know, it's a small deviation in my life at the beginning of that time, but then it ends up, you know, causing a really big difference in how things turn out for me. And so, you know, there's like the the kind of gray areas from like nothing really interesting happens from 14 to to 22. Uh, but then I start boxing at 22. I started at the, the ripe old age of 22. That's like ancient, but but I just mm-hmm. needed something to do because I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> and mm. someone called me out on that, changed my life completely. And so I ended up walking into a boxing gym at 22 as an amateur. I, I just I just kept. I put my head down and I said, all right, you know, however this turns out is however it's going to turn out. I'm going to go as far as I can. And my amateur career ended up ended up being pretty spectacular. I did pretty much everything you can do except go to the Olympics. I won a state title, a national title, got a ranking and all that good stuff. Um, and then, you know, turned pro. But at this point in my life, I'm like, yo, this is, I turned pro at, um, ooh, 2013. So how old was I? 28, I think. Uh, I turned pro. But I knew that, you know, boxing could be taken from me one day, one way or the other, and I had no skills. So I was like, oh, what's the fastest way to get some skills and, and level up my life? And I was like, I got to go back to school. And so I joined the Army to get money for school and, and served in the Guard. And so at this point in my life, I'm, I'm serving in the military, fighting professionally and in school all at the same time. Mm. And fortunately, by this point, I had stopped mm. drinking. And I stopped drinking because mm. of, of, you know, other parts of my life. But alcohol had really uh, held me back for a long time, I think, because a lot of this stuff, people people see the story and they they follow me on social media and read my stuff. And then they often forget there wasn't really much to the story before 28. You know, booze kept getting in the way of any type of real progress. And when I was finally able to put that down, that's when things really clicked. Um that's when my my fighting really took off. School took off. My relationship uh, has has held wonderfully well. You know, ten years now, and expecting a kid, and so like this is all like congratulations, a good thing. Thank you. It won't be a trip. Won't be triplets, but uh, <laughs> it'll it's still love. You get there, <laughs> but yeah, don't yeah, wish for so, that. Yeah, careful what you wish for. Yeah, that's crazy, man. <clears throat> but that's mm-hmm. the TLDR, you know, and and you know, I'm sure we'll 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 touch in some other stuff along the way, but that's the the broad stroke of the, of the story from from life. And and did you get did you get 
get control of the alcohol just sort of white knuckling or did you actually go into the program of uh, recovery of some type or treatment of any type so so i didn't so so when i um decided to get sober and like when i say decided i mean i was able to stick to it because i think a lot of people who go i mean in fact the numbers are out there a lot of people who eventually quit they have quite a um they, they take a lot of time a lot of tries it's it's not a first try thing for a mm -hmm. lot of us and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. when i finally was able to like really ring this thing in i didn't go to any program i tried going to aa right i went to an aa meeting and and in my arrogance at the beginning of my sobriety i actually said yo as i'm listening to people go around and share their story i'm like i'm not like these people i don't need AA." I said that to myself I went back four years later to a meeting because somebody wanted to see me get my chip and and I'm talking. I was like, and I said to them, I was like, yo, you know, when I first came, I had this kind of arrogance, like, oh, I'm not this bad. And now I'm like, yo, I'm just like y'all. I'm like, I'm and probably was worse because I was in denial. But mm -hmm. what I ended up doing is is outside AA, I I was so busy. I have <laughs> that and, and I and I I wanted to really make something of my life so it was hard to it was hard to do both and i had committed to i initially told myself you know you got to trick yourself i said look we'll do this for like a year and see how it goes right and and by like six months and i was like why would i ever go back like i just i was just i was a much better person mm. yeah it starts becoming its own reward and and i'm sure now, when you go back and you hear how the people that have sustained sobriety talk, it'll all sound very familiar to you because people sort of sometimes will naturally apply the same kinds of concepts to their own life that people are needing a structure and direction to do in, in the program. And, and when you talk to th this idea of making something of your life, I, I'm interested in that because I don't know if it seems to you, but it seems to me like young people today don't often have that kind of drive. They sort of feel like the system is broken or lined up against them or there's a lot of resentments and they'd rather stick in their resentments or act them out have you have you found that to be true how do you try to reach young people when they are in that space um and you know what do you recommend to them so so one of the reasons why i i think that way why i'm like oh you know my life was a mess and now it's and, and now it's not but one of the reasons why i think that way is you know, when, when you grow up in the kind of environment that I grew up in, you, you never get a chance to entertain fantasy and mm. and really just things that don't represent reality. I never got a chance to really, I mean, you know, you, you grow up fast. And part of what that does is, you know, you, you pay a price for believing something that is false. So, so all of my, I tell people all the time, I don't have beliefs. I just look at data and I try to make the best decision. And for me, I was like, all right, at that point in my life, I said, look, I don't have any, I'm, I'm working at, I was working at T-Mobile selling phones for like $9 an hour with, with commission, but $9 an hour. And, and I was drinking heavily and, and I was putting relationships at risk. And I said, I, one day I looked at a mirror and I was like, yo, kind of a loser man and that 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 takes real i think awareness self-awareness if you if you can be aware of yourself when you are making mistakes whatever you can correct them and so you know when i when i did that then it was just all right now i had the responsibility to do something about it 
as far as we're young people. Uh, are, are well, doing let me, yeah, before they, you uh, hold that thought, uh, yeah, uh, you heard me sort of breathing there hard because I was just thinking <laughs> about something, and, and and that is this idea of of seeing yourself as you really are. A lot of people I know, well, most people I know that are successful in some kind of recovery or major change in their life initiate that change at some moment, and that moment usually is often looking in the mirror. I, I, I can't tell you how often that it's some, looking in the mirror and seeing yourself accurately for the first time. That's that's what they'll say. Like the scales fall from their eyes and they go, oh, that's me. That really is, I didn't know, I didn't know that was me, but that is me. And oftentimes in my experience, there's sort of a characteristic way that people get to that moment. Was there anything about what was going on in your life at that time that was different than usual that got you to that moment? Uh so nothing un nothing out of the ordinary right like but only relative to the, the the time before that it's not like things were going great uh, or anything like that yeah i think the difference the 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 big difference was that i i looked around at at some of my friends and where they were in their life because i've got a great group of of friends my close friends at least and and I said I'm not I'm not even close, and I'm looking at like some of the things I started hearing about my reputation, and and the whispers, and and I used to actually say to myself I used to say, oh you know if if we don't get along when I'm drinking we probably wouldn't have got along sober you know goofy addict thinking like that, mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. and and finally one day I was like yo that that's crazy. And it just it hit me because I'm looking at the rest of my life. I'm looking at the money in my bank account, almost non-existent. And but but I had money to drink. I could find that. And so I just I I think I think what ultimately ended up happening is is I was not living the life that I that my ego wanted to live. And and I couldn't like protect my ego. So I had to like change my surroundings. So my ego was, oh, this is this is more on point for what we feel like we can be. At, at that point, were you having contact with anybody different or different sorts of people that helped you reflect on where you were? Other than that usual group of friends, were you suddenly also exposed to people who liked you, saw you differently than other people, or anything of that nature? Sort of new new quality oh. to your relating. Two two things major happened that helped me like see myself differently. Uh, one, uh, for most of my career as a professor, well, as a fighter, I was in one area. I changed gyms and was with a completely different coach, and it was the first time in my life. You know, everyone goes, you know, who'd you look up to growing up? And look up to anybody. I didn't. I didn't have any mm. uh, male role models or anything like that in my life. There was no masculine presence. My coach, Tommy Ankello, the way he lived, the way he approached his family, the way he dealt with people in straightforwardness, and, and the way he looked at me and criticized uh, my, my drinking, and in contrast to what we could do and what he saw in me if I could stop drinking, uh, that made a big difference. The second thing that made a big difference is, you know, when you go off to the army, you have your basic training, can't drink in basic training for the first, you know, 10 weeks. And then I had my advanced individual training AIT for another 16 weeks. And you can't 
I mean, you you can sneak our base. I certainly I snuck one time to go get a drink, but like it's not really any alcohol. And for the first time <laughs> in quite some time, I'm I'm building relationships without alcohol being in the background. And I'm like, yo, I'm a pretty cool, interesting guy. And that that sounds weird. Like like I feel that that way right now. Like I I legitimately feel like I'm the most interesting person you'll ever meet. Right now, whether that's true or not, irrelevant. I believe that. I don't think I believe that or even think close to it uh, when I was drinking. And and those two experiences, right. seeing seeing how I could be a person that could be respected for my accomplishments and that I could make friends without it being over the course of being at the bar, you know, through mutual yeah. activity. That was really something. Th- that That is the experience I was looking for. It's, it's what I call seeing yourself through a new pair of glasses. Somebody Somebody sees you experiences you differently reflects that back to you and you receive it and you go oh man he sees x in me or he looks at me this way and and the, i really think that your coach or your trainer was probably the the big ingredient because knowing that somebody is caring about it really cares about it and then gives you something honest that that's what it takes those are sort of the ingredients well, i tell people all the time that one of the big way I call it like you know BCAD my sobriety date. Um, mm-hmm. One of the biggest differences is that I I cared about myself, and and that's mm-hmm. that's that's really weird because like I I was never I never I always felt like it was kind of a a thing a weakness to express to express like self deprecating feelings, but looking back a lot of what drove. My my drinking and my my behavior under the influences, I didn't I didn't have respect enough for myself. That's part of the reason why I had to drink, so I could feel like I could be liked, you know. But but mm-hmm. once I start getting this experience of approval, acceptance, respect, like socializing without any of it, I was like, wow, there's a whole. <laughs> it's like it's like the lights come on, the, the sunglasses come off. However you want to, whatever analogy yep. or metaphor you want to use. It is. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's what it's like. Yep. Yep. I've, I've heard these stories over and over and over again. It's fascinating to me that that's it's other people that allow get us to that point where we see ourselves as we are. Uh, we're looking at some comments alongside of you here. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and and in, in two two housing projects. We lived in uh, the Hill District. Housing projects, Addison Terrace, I think it was our Terrace Village, uh, and then when they tore those down because gentrification, uh, they moved us to another one across town called Northview Heights. And let me, you know, you know, it's funny, man. The, the stuff you think is normal, you you uh, you don't realize is not normal until you get away from it. Because that's all you know. That's we right. moved to this neighborhood, yeah. and, and I, I just thought it was hilarious, but just part of the part of the uh, flavor of the day that we had a whole gate up like you had to like check in check out like like a real one way in one way or really two ways in two ways out and and their their thought process behind this is that it will keep the crime uh out and i thought that was hilarious since all the crime was like (laughs) come from within so it is it is uh what it is it's interesting that you know that there are all these factors that really sum up 
getting somebody to get you know to to engage to to flourish really the word is flourishing how did how did physics get into it so this is funny man um so i have so, so first thing i was an absolutely awful math student in high school i have an article on my site how to get better at math and and I pulled up my, I went and actually ordered my high school transcripts just so I could like make this point. So people didn't think I was like a math whiz and, and I was like exaggerating what I had to go through. Yeah. In my mind, I actually was, it was exaggerating uh, how much better I was at math than I really was. And I thought I was bad. I was like, like after algebra in the first and ninth grade, I was, you know, failing it all. Uh, anyhow, with, with that background, I was like, well, I'm never going to study anything that requires math. Yeah. And I had that idea in my head for the longest time. And then when I when I started going through this change in my life, like right before I went sober, the, the, the change that led me into the military, I said, all right, well, let me look at all the jobs that are available. Because remember, I have no skills. The only thing I'm doing is selling phones, right? And selling phones, retail, mm -hmm. terrible job. I said, let me get some more skills so I can earn more money. And I looked out, I looked and I did my research and all the top paying jobs had math involved and I, and the jobs with the highest level of, I, I think it was like employee satisfaction had math involved. So I said, oh shit, mm -hmm. I got to go learn math. All right. So <laughs> I went, I started and, and we're not even at the physics part yet, but I, I started in, in 2013, I went back to beginning algebra and everything I could find online, every book I could take up from the library or order and just study and just started filling in my gaps of knowledge. It took over a year, but it was mm. worth it because then mm. I felt confident, okay? Now, when I enlisted and was going back to school, I said, what am I gonna major in school? And I'm anticipating that I'm gonna have to leave uh, for I have a job or take a fight. So I wasn't going to study anything that required a lab science because those are like, you, you can't make those up really. My plan was to study math. That was the plan. Funny mm. how that comes full circle. I did my AIT at Fort Lee in Richmond, Virginia. And I was at my, my official MOS, military occupational specialty, is a, it was a 94 Alpha land combat and electrical systems repair. And that meant I had to go through mm -hmm. six weeks of something called BMAT, Basic Mechanical and Electronic Theory. And I'm doing that, and I'm like, oh, I really want to be an electrical engineer instead. This looks cool. So oh, I said, I'll bite the bullet. I'll figure it out. So I, I start, I go enroll in school, and I start. And all engineers have to take a, a set of physics to go for it. And in physics one, we did this experiment with projectile motion, which is just when a particle is, is under the influence of no other force but the initial force and gravity. And as part of the experiment, you had to like take the math and figure out where the, the pellet was gonna land. So, you know, I do the experiment, run through it, and don't you know the pellet lands exactly where I said it was gonna land? And I said, yo, this is like magic. This is what I wanna study instead. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanics. So, that was not my forte. So mechanics. Yeah. So uh, so I was actually see, see, see. I got I got to a program uh, at Duquesne University here in Pittsburgh, where they actually had a double major of physics and electrical engineering with with the University of Pittsburgh. I opted oh, out cool. of my electrical engineering degree 
uh, because about about three and a half, three three years in, I, I really figured out this this making money online thing and people enjoying my writing. So I said, you know what? And, and when I when I was really when it really the, the machine kicked on, I was like a hundred credits in. I was like, I'm not going to quit, but I'm not going to put myself uh, through this level of rigor because it's hard uh, for another mm. for another four years when I'm pretty sure I'm not going to become an engineer. You know. So, mm-hmm. so that's how that that started. <laughs> Tell people about the online writing stuff and where can they can find. So, it. okay, so so all of my writing that I put out is on edlatimore.com. I named it edlatimore.com not just because I'm Ed Lattimore, but uh, you know I wanted just pull to pull some random my... names out of the hat. <laughs> just some random names. <laughs> just Ed Lattimore. Well, that sounds good. I, I want I wanted my website to to. You know, follow me in my journey in life. If that without sounding too, yeah. But uh, what what that means is there are a number of topics I would like to write about. So I didn't want to pigeonhole, and this has like been a point of contention, or or at least it was. Now it isn't anymore, and we'll get to it. You know, it's been a point of contention over the years as I figure out as I learn how to optimize my site and learn SEO, because ideally, a website centers around a, a theme or two. And that makes it easy mm. to gain expertise, authority, and trust. Eat as Google calls. I have articles on my site on everything from forgiveness to porn addiction to sobriety, getting better at math, writing, uh, lessons from growing up in the hood, stuff like that. And so uh, for, for a while, we were kind of paying a little bit of a penalty. But now Google seems to recognize that I know what I'm talking about on a few different topics. Mm. And then the website is trending trending great but but even if it wasn't you know about seo i i just writing clarifies what's up here you know it it takes your Mm -hmm. thoughts the analogy uh, i give is that writing is like taking a magnet and running it over pieces of steel before you do that Mm -hmm. the the piece of steel has its own magnetopoles or or poles but like they're all pointing a different direction so the steel is not magnetized but once you align it then it's got real force it can move things with with magnetism and writing is like that for my thoughts so interesting all of these different topics i just i like to sit and think about what i know and write out and then in in doing so it helps me at least as much as it helps someone else who reads yes cool excellent edlatimore.com so we have to take a little break here, uh, and we're going to take, we got some calls up. Yep. And if those of you who are on Twitter spaces are interested in talking to Ed or myself, you just uh, raise your hand there, you request. And I'm fascinated that he was good at physics. That's great. Uh, uh, he, he, uh, good at, no, 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 no. All right. the so rest of the part, class go? <laughs> there are parts of the story, right? So, yeah. So I, I put, so, so I brought the math thing up because, to be to uh, physics has so much math that you're actually about the default just get a mathematics minor in it and at, at yeah. pretty much every program i've looked at and and my my math grades are actually they have like a three seven or something i'm pretty sure i didn't like because once i get i always told my i used to tutor as well and i used to tell my students wow. i said i said look i already know uh where you're gonna mess up because I took it took me four tries to get calc one, but once I got it, it was I was like, oh wow! And then the rest of higher level math was easy: calc two, three, linear mm. algebra, differential, all that. Right? 
Ooh, right? Fine. But <laughs> the physics classes, oh, goodness. They're um, hard. They're hard. They're, they're, well, it's they're hard. It, it, yeah, it's a problem. Math, problem I, I, solving. I tell people uh, physics problems not only force you to have a strong a strong quantitative ability, you know, calculation, numeracy, etc. You also need to be fairly strong qualitatively. At the very least, you need to be able to visualize your your solutions and and or not even your solutions. You need to be able to visualize the problem, and then from mm -hmm. from working it out. You know, you show me a physics exam or problem where there's not a bunch of <laughs> free body diagrams and pictures and models. You know. They don't exist. There's no way to do it. But but it's, I love what it did for my thinking. That's the the best part. Right. right. Okay. That's right. Problem solving. When he's when he's so talking about this, brain. I hear mama 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 mama. I hear exactly what he's saying. <laughs> I hear exactly what he's saying. I can't understand any of it. I took physics and I had a short course and I lasted a week and I moved over no. to uh, weather science. He, he is just saying that <laughs> yeah. that when it comes, I don't to have qualitative or quantitative in my brain. Bodies in motion. Or at rest, uh, there are quantitative way to analyze to analyze those relationships. Did you get into particle physics? Did you go all the way down, or did you stay? Part stay uh, I took, took something with part. Okay, so right. So what what did I take? Yeah. Because I because uh, spoiler right or not spoiler, but I'm not, you know I have a BA, which is a slightly different program, but I, I focused a lot on my own uh, additional writing courses because because I knew where I was going. What did I take? Mm. Uh, physics one and two, optics, solid state physics, modern physics, mm. electromagnetism, uh, statistical mechanics. I'm forgetting mm -hmm. something. Oh, me mechanics in general, 400 level mechanics, where you like same stuff as physics one, but now you know differential equations and linear algebra, so you can you can do things like right. quadratic dra uh, drag and all that. Uh, I feel like I had right. something so else mul there. multiple variables, oh. yeah. Multiple and then gra uh, yeah. gravitational astrophysics. So oh, okay. so there you go. So so that gets into the that gets into the, the now, deeper stuff. Now, Drew, this is a yeah. biological ability, right? This is not. I mean, it's not uh, like not everybody can do that. Well, not everybody can do it. But I, the the really interesting part of Ed's story is he he his motivation is what led him into all this and once he had his foundation in math which he formed on his own he was able to start to follow the path right am i, am I overstating that ed that that, that, that is really you said yeah. it better than i've yeah. actually ever uh explained it and <laughs> what i what i think is you know in terms of you know is this is there a genetic component or not maybe maybe not what i do know is this i know do you have that, any astrophysicists in your family no uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure. Let me think about this. I might be. I know no one on my mom's side. My dad actually did go to college and finished. I, I'm, but but I'm probably in terms of people alive um, that that could say they're directly related to me. Yeah, I'm the only one that's gone to college. Um, definitely, yeah. definitely not yeah. a thing. Uh, but but no but, astrophysicist. Yeah. No. The I always say, you know, the strongest belief you can have is that given enough time, you can learn anything. And w whether I am lucky or not, I don't know. Mm. I know I operate under that belief and I know that it took me 
uh, over a year of self-driven study to yeah. get math skills yeah. strong enough to even to even make it through a calculus class you know i mean you and, have this this is the piece it, that is the piece that 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 part to go start the process it's an insurmountable hill it's an insurmountable task and yet you you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and so you start that insurmountable path and you stay with it and you you know you get available resources and you stay with it it's every day every day every day and guess what? You're right. You start. You will make progress with almost anything that way. And, and check this out. Check this out. So, I, I, one of the things people are always amazed by, I say, look, the only reason why I thought this was possible because there was a long period of time where I didn't think this was possible. I, I really suffered mm -hmm. from a fixed mindset growing up. What changed mm -hmm. me to a growth mindset was boxing, because. I started, I was not a graceful fighter. My footwork was like two left feet. It was, it was, it was pretty bad. Right. Uh, but I just, I just stuck with it because I got lucky and knocked a few guys out and said, I'm, I know I'm lucky. Let me work on my skills. I got some great opportunities coming up as an amateur. And then as a pro and I watched myself get better. And I said, well, if I did this with my body, well, my mind's a more pliable than my physical set. Like, like, like what I mean is my height is stuck. I'm never going to get taller than six one. But I felt mm -hmm. like once again, whether this is true or not, I felt like uh, if I really work hard, I can understand and learn these things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We're going to take a little break uh, and we'll come back with your calls. I think we have found the holy grail of skincare. Genucel has absolutely changed, certainly my skincare regimen. I like that vitamin C serum, the under eye creams, skin nourishing primer. Susan loves the eyelash enhancers, uses it on her eyebrows as well. Genucel has everything to make us both feel and look amazing. Best part, the quality of the products. Using pure ingredients like antioxidants, copper peptides, and a proprietary calendula flower base, Genucel knows how to formulate products to perfection without irritation. For Susan, she hates that annoying dry area under nose during allergy season, like right here. She's tried everything, but no matter what, the skin is flaky and dry. Nothing seemed to help until she started using Genucel's Silky Smooth XV Moisturizer. Soaked right into the skin, she was hooked after one use and now loves all of their products as well. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because... It's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time and I'm so excited because it's actually working. Right now, you can try Genucel's most popular collection of products and see what I'm talking about for yourself. Go to genucel.com and enter code DREW for 10% off. That is G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com and the code is D-R-E-W. I love that ad where Susan's like, look, I'm a snob. <laughs> I'm a snob when it comes to You know what? Care. We did like 50 outtakes and I screwed up so many of them. But I just Obviously, like, I like the, the kind of... That was from honest, my heart. I was yeah, I could see the it. Truth. I could see the honest reveal. Yeah, like, I wasn't I reading the copy. But but also, um, there's so... I, I'm horrible at this. You know what I mean? Like, this is not what I do for a living. I'm never in front of the camera doing ads, but... I have to say there are so many things in this product line and I said so many great things, but you know, they could only use so much of it. And I don't, I don't 
want to say that I'm not using the products that I already paid for from the dermatologist. I actually mix them in. Like I'll use the C C serum and then I'll Mm -hmm. put another moisturizer on top of it. So don't worry, Drew. I'm using up the expensive stuff. As soon as it's gone, (laughs) then I'm just going to use the Genucel. Okay, good. Well, we like it. We both like it. We both use it in the standby. Now, I have one more thing for Ed. I want to wait, 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 before you go, we go to Ed, before we go to Ed, I I want to address, uh, the rumble ranters. Um, they're, whoop, but they're taking on my, um, clemency towards Dr. Fauci. And let me just, let me just frame it again for y'all. Oh, they're just enjoying each other's company. Let me just frame it, which is that I have followed him for my entire career. I got involved in the radio because he was urging us young guys to go, Educate about when you were AIDS. Young. We didn't even have an HIV yet. We were just calling it, just started calling it AIDS. And he was saying, we got to educate. There's going to be 2 million dead. He kept saying, 2 million dead. He kept saying. And I took it to heart and started doing radio. And it was important for me. And he was a great source of information. Now, something happened in this most recent pandemic where the chaos, the hysteria, the panic porn in the press and maybe Trump derangement syndrome or something, he seemed adulterated. He seemed like he couldn't answer questions, and it was not the same guy I was used to. But I kept saying he will revert to the mean. Now I would urge you to take a look at the way he's talking. He's talking differently. He's saying we urge you to wear masks. You know, He's talking about relative risks. He's talking the way he, I always have known him to speak. So I, I'm suspecting that you'll be able to get much better information from him going forward. So uh, I'm not apologizing for anything, and I'm and there are issues that he will need to answer to, no doubt. But I'm telling you, he has been a really important source throughout my career. And, you know, I, I see him now talking like his old self, so I'm glad to see that. All right, Susan, now back to uh, he He got wrapped up in all the politics and uh, stuff. It sure it seemed like it. it sure seemed well, they like made it. him like this, like, God, too, for a while. It, you know, it, and he, it, his, he really, he was, I he don't was know, kind of exposing happened. himself out there mm-hmm. a little bit. Anyways, I I have a comment also that right. I wanted to add. Okay. So since I went to college when I was 27, because mm-hmm. I had sort of a career, I guess, it sort of trained me early on. I was not ready to study physics when I was 18, nor was, was I when I was 27. But um, I found that going to college later in life was actually better because, you know, you you know what you learned from going in the military and you know what you learned from boxing. And when you're sitting in a classroom and you're really getting it, you're like, you you know why you're doing it. Well, you know? especially for males, our, our brains mature and we can handle a lot of different <laughs> things at 27 that we couldn't handle at 27. Yeah, you personally. get too distracted. You know, uh, like- we're just animals. <laughs> so go ahead, Ed. You, I didn't you, say that. We'll let you respond. Uh, nah, you know, I know because I tried college the first time. I did it exactly the way they say you should do it. Mm. You leave high school, you go to college. And I was out of there in three semesters. And and, and really, mm. I was about to get kicked out. But I did the whole, you can't fire me, I quit deal. And mm-hmm. left halfway through the third semester. I was too busy drinking, chasing girls, and I had no idea why I was there. I didn't have really any confidence in my academic ability great at faking it mm-hmm. but the opposite I had, really had no idea why i was there okay yeah when i, I mean, went the opposite back, of confidence you you've been yeah. eroded you've been your idea of how that you can perform had been had been eroded you didn't think you had any potential yeah. and and going back at 27 well one i knew well 28 
29, 28. All right. Uh, yeah. I knew, like you said, while I was there, that was mm-hmm. a big motivator. Uh, another big deal, not drinking whatsoever, which, which you know, sounds weird, but we'll get to the next part and why this doesn't sound weird uh, when I, <laughs> for my end. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm with my girl. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm there for a very specific reason and I'm not distracted by the other reasons there. Because, because one of the things I, I learned, very interesting, is even though I was like 30, it, it didn't like deter people from, from trying to socialize with me. I got invited to like two right. parties. I'm like, are you crazy? I'm like, even if right. I was still drinking, I'm not drinking with you. Like, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, like, because if the cops show up and you got people under, you know, 21 here, I'm going down. You know, yeah, you yeah. might be. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but, but, but really having a reason to be there, uh, being partially, well, no matter what, I'm financially responsible. It's just how I, I acquired the funds, some from the military, another from a scholarship, and then some out of pocket. Uh, being financially responsible, knowing that, like, yeah, this is me. This is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, all that in makes the game. a big difference. Skin in the game. Yeah. I really believe Tell one of the worst I'm... things that we've done is have uh, kids right out of high school going to college, man. Most of us just need to chill out, take it two or three years, get a job, get let life get beat the hell out of you, and and then see what you want to do after. But Hit your bottom. Right. <laughs> Uh, Benjamin, I see you waving at me. I'll get you in a second. I got some people ahead of you. Ellis, you're a speaker. Go right ahead. You're not muted, but I don't hear you. There's a little lag. No, he's all. It's the Twitter lag. Mm. No. Somehow, Ellis. Maybe he went to the bathroom. No, he's he's brought himself up and unmuted himself, and I still can't hear him. Is there anything going on at your end, Caleb? Uh, no, I'm not hearing anything over here. It's, it's... Okay. Are you plugged well, in? Well, Ellis, I am... So- there he is. Well, there you are. What's up, Ellis? Testing. Yeah, we got you oh, now. Hey, so I, I walked... Okay, I walked closer to my router to see if that would work. So ah, it did. That, that did the trick. Um, thank you. Um, so when I was in college, my thing was I would take a whole bottle of vodka to a party, and I would drink that whole bottle by myself. Hey, well, good times. Um, I'm from Alabama, and it's a really alcoholic state. Uh, everyone in my family is probably, um, I, I got tired of it. Uh, I turned 31 maybe in two weeks and I got tired of it maybe four or five years ago. I don't know what happened. I just, it just clicked and suddenly I didn't want to drink anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, but other people who are getting sober might also have this problem where I was really social and I met so many people Mm -hmm. and um booze is the center of all social activities you go to the bar to meet people and i don't know i find myself becoming reclusive and uh and i'm i'm just realizing now that this is a problem in my life i need to fix i need to start dating again after the pandemic i need to make more friends Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure how to do that without alcohol okay um, let's let Ed see what Ed, was, hang on, was, see what Ed's I'm got to say. Oh, sorry, go, yeah. You're not more fun. You think you're more fun. Ed, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a first of all. That's a great uh, line. You're not more fun. You think you're more fun. So uh, having having experienced something you know similar to this, and I think we all do. The suggestion that I have for you is one. 
when you know it sounds like you've you've been sober for for a little while to the point where like it is not I think everyone in recovery or whatever goes through this period where like, that's kind of what they are doing. They are in recovery. Now I feel kind of weird saying I'm in recovery. I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is. It's now it's you, you don't drink right now. Now think Mm -hmm. of it that way. You're just a guy that doesn't drink. And that doesn't mean you like, I I hang out with my friends all the time and they have beers and all that, Uh, but, but I'm not drinking. And I don't, the, the pressure is all in, inside your head. Like you feel like you got to drink because that's what you, that's how you've known socializing. But once you start trying it out, once you start doing it, uh, and, and this is also key, you'll probably find a lot of the stuff that you used to do while drinking, you don't really like, it was just an excuse to drink. For example, I, like, I used to love, I used to think I loved football, man. And I used to think I loved karaoke. Mm. Well, well, I, I, I don't <laughs> mind football, and I, I like karaoke, but certainly not enough to go out two, two, three nights a week to sing it. But it was a great excuse to drink. Once you recognize, all right, there's some stuff I was just doing because I like drinking, and it gave me a reason to drink, that is a big step. The next big step is then figuring out the stuff you like to do sober and then go do that. You know, like, like with my old friends, uh, all my friends, now, you know, we meet up for coffee and chat or play some chess or whatever it is, or or are still meet up and watch a game, but just have some wings and chill out and they drink. But but I'm I, I focus on the people and doing things where alcohol is not an option where I'm making it very clear. We're not going out like I'm not going out at night, right? For example. Like if we want to meet up, we'll meet up for a bunch of other stuff and we can do that. And it ends up working out great. Or we go someplace and and, and they have their beers, but I'm a dude that's not drinking. And once you make it clear, here's another trick, right? Uh, w- when you say I'm not drinking, people tend to give you a little guff. But if you say I'm sober, people chill out. And it's, that's just a change of the wording if you're worried about people saying yeah. stuff. And once they stop. Uh, and these days, these days they're very out. supportive usually. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to be somebody that undermines something that's of value. They, they're, oh, good, excellent, good for you, man. And yeah. it's usually the the I don't know you know their your peer male peers can be you know we we can be assholes to one another for sure but but <laughs> for the most part usually people want to support somebody that talks about being sober <laughs> yeah and, uh, exactly. where are you Ellis what part of the country oh, uh, I'm in I'm in Greenpoint Brooklyn yes oh so Greenpoint so I mean so you're in the city and there's a lot going on you know not just in Brooklyn but on Manhattan obviously and uh-huh. lots of sober people around lots of them my daughter just went to a sober like boat ride yeah. you actually some <laughs> yeah i was running i was running that morning and uh you know have they have those city city what are they called tours city tours or cityscapes or something those boats that are parked uh, it was bo- like 10 in the morning though and yeah, people were like hooting and hollering and, and, and they were parked they they parked these big boats by the Chelsea piers and uh, and one was out there. I mean, it was like it was on. It was so loud. I'm like, man, it's there were people crawling all over the boat. And I was like, what is going on in that boat? My daughter calls me later in the day and shows me pictures of her on that boat. She was dancing and, and doing. And it. it was a sober yeah. party. It was a sober yeah. group. And she she used to live, other, in, live in Greenpoint. That that's the other cool thing too, man. Like it really has turned into like. I don't want to. It's not quite like being a vegetarian, right? Like, but. It, it's this this lifestyle, and there are people and there's groups and there's things that support it, 
and and now you're not alone yeah. is my point you're not alone yeah that's and right. the social and the social stigma does not really exist anymore and and now you know people call you out for being an a-hole about that kind of stuff so it's it, mm. it's just it's I'll, I'll sum it up with this it's mostly you you feel like you yeah, have the dream that's right that, like that is exactly right that's once right. you get out that's there right. and you go and do it once or twice you're like huh no one really cares yeah. Yeah, we started you with you saying I'm more fun when I'm on alcohol, which is saying I'm a better person when I'm on drugs, the drug alcohol, which is not real, not true, never it just isn't so. It just you haven't found your footing as your sober self in a social context, which you will very 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 quickly. Uh this is uh Benjamin who has been doing uh essentially jumping jacks trying to get my my attention. So I want to bring him up and uh there you are Benjamin, what's up? Hello, bro. Hello, Caleb. Hello, Mr. Dr. Drew. Hello, Benjamin. I'm good. Good. Excellent. What's yeah, happening? My, yeah, my name is Benjamin, and I'm from Nigeria. Excellent. Well, um, yes, sir. You know, like, I was just uh, listening to you guys' conversation, and, uh, you know, like, being sober is, is a good thing, you know. Like, to me, I believe sober, you know, like, it's like going through extinction, like socializing, apart from drinking, you know, sober means, you know, like taking a step towards the social environments, you know, because sometimes in life, you know, being sober is, is, is a good, it's a good step to take because it's, it's actually, you know, radicalates the brain. Like yeah, yeah. it's, it brings, it actually brings endorsements, you know, like endorsements, relaxation, you know, uh, free thinking, mm -hmm. you know, like it brings so many good things, you know, because like, as you know, like, for example, you know, like I, I'm actually an indoor person, but, you know, but sometimes I love being sober. Mm -hmm. Like I, I take it as a challenge, you know, because actually, uh, there's a short story about me, you know, I actually lost my daddy around, uh, 2020 mm. and, you know, Every time I feel down, you know, I always go sober. You no, know, it really helps me so much. You know, I plug in some, I plug in uh, earpiece and, you know, dash into music, you know, dance, you know, walking on the street, dance, be happy for myself. Because now I, I believe being sober is a good, it's a good thing. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank it's you, uh, Benjamin. Appreciate your comment. Uh, this is Brent. Got lots of people with their hands up here, which I got to get to. So appreciate it. Uh, Brent, you're mute. There you are. Brent, what's up? Uh, I wanted to know if Ed knows about NAD and NR because those are two uh, things that are good for uh, staying sober. Well, you're talking about nicotinamide, um, nicotinamide, wait, it's uh, nicotinamide riboside, the NR. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't really do that much in terms of restoring or doing much to reduce relapse risk. They help with withdrawal symptoms and they help with restoring liver function. And they're excellent. I take NR every day. I have for a long time. I'm convinced that that the pathways, uh, this is sort of an antioxidant is really what he's talking about, Ed. 
And it's an, these are and they're NAD infusions. If you remember when Joe Rogan was treated for COVID, he had three days of NAD infusions. I've never had an NAD infusion, but I'm anxious to get one. They they seem really good. Me too. Yeah, Susan wants one, one too. But I think, but I also think that the NAD infusion is good for any people who have long COVID. Maybe. Yes, 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 sir. I I agree, and uh, that again, I I'm I I don't really know yet what the full application of NAD is going to be. Uh, but I think it's going to be substantial, and I'm a big fan of NR. I, I take Trueniagen. They used to be a sponsor years ago, and I've just stayed on it ever since. And I, I actually t spoke to the scientist in great detail about their research. They actually had some research that they, they couldn't really go public with, but they were looking at its effect on fighting COVID, and there's some benefits there too. But uh, I'm convinced nicotinamide riboside is a good thing. Uh, now, is, the question is, is there's also the NAD plus, but this is NR, which is an oral form of NAD, essentially. It's not as powerful as the IV infusion, obviously. And there's another form, nicotinamide mononucleotide, and I, I don't know what to make of that yet. But but I do believe all this stuff is going to be uh, important. It's important in, in uh, aging and maintaining health and that kind of stuff. It's not, not massively important, but important. Um, let's see. Uh, Shaniqua, is that you there? Hold on. Let's get you up here. You got to uh, you got to unmute your mic. Oh, there yes, you are. Sorry, there you are. <laughs> Hello from New York City. I just had a question. Um, because I think right now I'm going through a transitional phase. What was your rock bottom? Uh, as far as okay, I gotta drop this and I want to get sober. And 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 let me say, Shaniqua, before before Ed even answers, I'm gonna bet that he had sort of a prolonged bottom but that he got some really, right? You probably were scraping the bottom for a while. And, and then he got some people in his life that really made him look at it. And uh, he, so he never really went to a deep bottom. Is that accurate? That That is 100% okay. accurate. I, I never went to a deep bottom, but for me, um, okay. the, 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 the bottom was I, I went out drinking. When I got back from, from the army, I went out drinking one night and and I, I don't remember much except that I woke up at a friend's house and I drove there and I was like, yo, this is no good. Uh, and I wanted yeah, to scary. get control of everything before then. Yeah. Because like, like okay. I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm terrified of prison. So like that it, well, is. And you don't right. want to be, you don't want to kill somebody else. You do not want to kill yeah. somebody else. That is not Ed Vladimir's <laughs> story. You know what I'm saying? No. So, so. <laughs> But but Shaniqua, it's what I want you to take away though. It's it's other people. It's the support and caring and honesty of other people that right. got him to see himself and motivated him to do the things he needed to do. And he was in a lot of structure in terms of school and military and boxing, and he was doing a lot okay. of cool stuff. But uh, and there's always programs out there. Twelve step programs do work, and they're free, 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 and they're available on Zoom all the time. So you can always think okay, about that. Okay, I'm definitely going to look into that, yeah. All right. Definitely. Thank you. All right, you got it. Um, yeah, I mean, your story. Oh, here's Leopold. Let's get Leopold up here. Uh, Leopold. Let's get him connected here. You're still muted, Leopold. There you are. And I want you to tell us, hey. I want you to set up right now a date with Susan where you come on here because we owe you for winning the bobblehead. <laughs> he won the bobblehead thing, and I feel guilty. I, I don't like did. guilt. I don't, I'm not kind of person who feels guilt. <laughs> 
He gets prime real estate every time he comes on because of it. So. Yeah, that's true. There's a uh, well, bobblehead. Well, and, and you and I share, you know, the whole, you know, Jewish guilt thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I kind of milk it. Hey, and, and happy anniversary, guys. Thank you, uh, to you, Thank you. You, and, you and Susan. Um, so I want to ask Ed a question. You know, he, he mentioned early on about the um, different addictions that he suffered. And mm. I, too, you know, I'm a friend of Bill, uh, Ed, and also in, you know, 12-step uh, recovery for, you know, 25 years. Uh, what is your experience with playing whack-a-mole with the different addictions? In other words, mm. you get a handle with one addiction and things are going really well, and then all of a sudden you find yourself doing another. Mm-hmm. I, I found that, and and Dr. Drew, if you could talk a little bit about behavioral addiction oh, versus yeah. chemical addiction. Oh, yeah, no so problem. So ga- gambling, you know, oh, gambling yeah. sex, yeah. those kinds of things versus, you know, hardcore drugs or alcohol could, could you go into that i will do that and let's uh let's have ed answer right. first go ahead ed uh, so i'm i'm fortunate you know i i took my one addiction and then channeled it into a bunch of positive stuff because uh, i yeah. i do not believe that you can just remove something you got to put something else in I, I, a lot of times I'll think back to that time in my life true. and I'm like, how did I do all that? Oh, right. Cause I was working like an addict. The difference is I wasn't drinking. So, and, and it's the same way with like, I, I drink coffee that way. Uh, the difference is, you know, after, after a, a French press of coffee, I'm what? not unable to drive. So for me, it was really one, not having exposure to any other thing it was never my thing like i smoked weed a few times but it you know it wasn't my thing never ran into any other hard drugs at all it was just the booze once i got a hold of that then it was like all right well yeah. we can put this somewhere else and let's just use it yeah. let's convert it it's 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 like you can have uranium you can either use it the power reactor or power bomb you know and i was like all right we're gonna yeah. gonna power react yeah, and uh, apologize for the drifting camera. I was drifting. Off. Susan, I don't know if you saw that, but the camera was drifting all over the place. Um, it, it doesn't usually work like that. Uh, Ed is lucky, I'd say, in being able to do it. Uh, usually, it sneaks in in ways you don't anticipate. The way Leopold was talking about. Let me let me give you a great example. Um, Bob Forrest, uh, you know the guy that the, with the hat and glasses that I've done lots of podcasting with, and we did celebrity rehab together. He had year, probably decade and a half of sustained sobriety, like really high quality sobriety. And uh, I had him work for us in a clinical setting. I sort of stole him from some another place and we really trained him up and he became a great clinician. And uh, all of a sudden he admitted that on, he was, we, he'd disappear on Friday afternoons. He would just like, no, he just was gone Friday afternoons. He wouldn't be around. And we were like, hey, we got some shit to do here. Come on now, it's, it's, you know, where, where'd you go? No, nothing, nothing. Turned out he was going to the horse races, and it and it didn't even occur to him. It he just thought he thought of it as sort of a he needed the the structure and the you know the beauty of the horses, and he needed to go and get some fresh air. And he it was a very stressful environment working in the you know chemical dependence unit in a, in a psychiatric hospital. And uh, no, it was gambling, full on gambling addiction. He had to go to GA, and uh, it just comes up. And then with pornography these days, the sex addiction can can, can easily, easily drift in. And so it just, it just, you know, you have this biology, and once you've sort of activated it with using one drug or another, it will, it will naturally drift you into things that activate that same system. So you have to be very vigilant about it. 
I see you nodding your head, Ed. Did you have some thoughts on this? Uh, well, well, you said something really interesting about how the the system, once it's activated, then you yeah. you, you have to continue to feed that beast. Once it's awake, it's not going back to sleep. And and you were saying, you know, maybe I'm lucky, but but I think one of the things that happened, one of my like catchphrases, is that you know the the what what is it? Oh yeah, people who think you know being liked is the same as being respected don't have much experience with either, and and I mm-hmm. got that from what motivated me to drink from a social setting, which was I really wanted to like fit in. Like I I, I didn't feel mm-hmm. like people. Mm-hmm. I still have this issue. I, I I feel like people don't like me for me. Now I get that approval that I used to get from from being booze and being an artist drinker, I get that from the respect that I, that I gain from mm. people and what I do and my writing. Like, like I can't ever stop the stuff I'm doing. Like, like I thought there would, there would be this magical point where I stopped burning the candle at both ends. And the reality is I, I, I can't stop that because, because that, that brings me, that, that, that brings me worth, you know? And, yeah. and I yeah. feel like, yeah, if I'm gonna get my fix, for a lack of a better term, if I want to get my fix, I think that's the best way to do it because that that is you know spiraling or or not spiraling up, but you know what I mean, a, a, a yeah. self reinforcing activity. Yeah, no, it, there's there's no problem with that. You, you have to again, you don't really have this flavor of addiction, but a lot of people have to really be careful because they'll drift into workaholism too, or then and then that'll be an excuse to have resentments and then start doing something else. So you you have to kind of watch yourself and and I don't want to give people the impression that you know once you've activated the biology the biological potential of addiction, it, it's it's a genie that's you know out of the bottle. It's there, and it's a motivational thing, and it will it will urge you in certain directions, but it, it quiets. It quiets over time. It's it's not as powerful as it was when you first stopped drinking. That kind of thing. That's when it really the behavioral addictions can can really um, get you. They're 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 there, and they they're re- people even exercise and eating and all that stuff can get involved with it very very easily. Yeah, I I, I tell guys that. I have a sobriety habit and Mm. I say that to, to let them know that when you first stop drinking, you can't go around where you used to be. Your habit's not strong enough. You're going to go back to what you know, Mm -hmm. but after, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, like I was saying earlier, I can go out and hang out with my friends. They drink. I have no issue. But when I stopped, I stopped. December 23rd, 2013, the, I was not out after midnight again until January. It was like sometime in the first week of January, first or second week of January 2015. And I remember that because I wanted to watch the, uh, the Jones-Comier fight the first time they fought. Mm. And fights were on in Vegas and they're on the West East Coast. That means after midnight is when the main event starts. So I had to go to a Dave & Buster's to watch it. But but that was after a year being sober. I was like, you know, around people drinking, but I wasn't like I wasn't like foaming at the mouth or anything like that. I was just like, okay, cool. No, no, no. This is what it's gonna be. But but my sobriety habit was strong. Prior to that, the the times that I tried, it wasn't strong enough. I, I tried to continue yeah. to be in the old environment. It, 
it, it, you're, you're bringing up another whole other topic. I'm sure we could read about it at, at Lattimore.com, but the idea of habits. Habits are things that you know have to be rehearsed. You have to keep doing them. You have to be just for something to become a habit. It has to be a habit. You have to do it oh, regularly right. for a long period of time. Yeah, and uh, our brain works that way. Our brain—it's essentially that uh, cells that fire together wire together. We say, right. and so if <laughs> yep. you do the behavior and the cells fire, they'll eventually wire up. So it becomes kind of automatic at a certain point. And and it's like it's like the guy was saying the first caller. He he feels like he's a better person when he drinks more fun. No, no, no. That's just the familiarity of the habit. And and you mm -hmm. stepping out and be doing something different. Once you do it a few times, you're like, oh, I'm I'm kind of a funny dude. Oh, I got interesting things to say. <laughs> like, oh, it's like this is a great response I'm getting from people. Awesome. And then you transition into I can't believe these people are drunk. I am sober. I got to get out of here. That's a that's a different uh, different story. issue. Yeah. So uh, again, a lot of you have your hand up. I'm not sure I'm going to get to all of you today, but I'll do the best I can. This is uh, Ryan. We're connecting with him. And uh, Ryan, uh, you're there. You are. What's happening? Uh, good morning, Julia. <laughs> good morning, uh, Julia. <laughs> that's a your mom's house thing. It's a long story. Ed. It's a whole different mat, whole different environment. <laughs> But uh, they don't teach it in physics class. <laughs> <laughs> no way. But I wanted to pick it up, piggyback off of what Shaniqua asked earlier about uh, where is rock bottom? Mm. Uh, I went through like three and a half months of behavioral and drug therapy myself mm. in inpatient. Mm. And they're like, hey, like, we can't tell you where rock bottom is because it's where you stop digging. That's right. It's where you stop digging yourself in a hole. Yeah. And at some point, you're six feet under and you can't dig yourself back out. You can't, you can't climb back out of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was a real eye opener. Cause I was like, Oh, what I'm doing, it's, um, I'm doing it ritualistically. Mm. I'm, I'm rolling blunts ritualistically. I'm mm. drinking ritualistically. It's not the fact that I really wanted to get high or drunk. It's that going through the motion yeah. was part of my schedule, part yeah. of my day, part of my personality. Yep. And it was like uh, rewriting myself afterwards. It's like, yeah, I am kind of a blank slate now. What do I do? And it's like, well, what do you do with a blank canvas? You start a new painting. Mm -hmm. you, you start a new chapter in the book. And um, Ed said it the best where he said that you kind of just replace those habits. It's kind of hard to just kick habits because it's not your personality. Yeah, You got to replace them with like a reading or a sport or whatever. It but is. but it, is, it is an interesting point that depending on – when you started using drugs and how bad your drug use was, you stopped developing. <laughs> you just, you just, uh, you just stay where you are. And sometimes that's at a very young age before you have developed anything. And so people have to sort of start finding out who they are. They have to start from early adolescence, sometimes figuring that out. This is somebody uh, called the doc. Uh, I think it's a female. I think uh, let's get you up here. There you are. Hello, Dr. Drew. Hey there. Oh my God, this is like a dream come true. Like, where's Adam Carolla? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he, he's uh, he's been on a book tour. He's got a book called "Everything." <laughs> Everything reminds me of something. Is his book, and, uh, uh, and and then then I have to hear about it. So there you go. <laughs> Everything the book should be should, should be "Everything Reminds Me of Something," and then I have to tell Drew. So. <laughs> It's cool. I just wanted to say, um, first of all, I'm a huge fan, obviously, from like ages ago. I, I loved the celeb rehab mm. because I felt like it was really cool that like 
it was, you know, just a show at the time that was being, you know, that was discussing rehab, mm-hmm. celebrities or not, you know, and obviously mm-hmm. this heist people to, to it. And I thought that was just like an amazing idea. And can, can we do more or do you do more? And it's, you know, I, I would <laughs> like to do more. There are certainly plenty of people that could benefit from it. Uh, and it, it's yeah. interesting. It, it, paying them and putting them on TV motivates people to go do treatment. <laughs> and then when they take their treatment seriously and get better, they want to be, they want to maintain sobriety. They want to be an, an example for other people. But uh, I hope people understand, you know, opiate addiction is a fatal illness. And particularly back then, it was a terrible condition that, that my peers were inflaming by continuing to give the, the opiate addicts these opiates all the time. These short-acting opiates was terrible. I, so right. many of my patients died at the hands of my peers. It's unbelievable. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah. And so, uh, again, I, I, but VH1 has control of it and ownership, and they have to want to do it. So, you know, if they don't want to do it, we well, don't do it. Well, you know, I thought you should know that, like, honestly, you know, I think a lot of people respect your opinion as a doctor, and that's awesome. You well, know what I mean? Yeah. And you're, it's amazing. Oh, my God. I Thank feel you. like I'm talking about Elvis or something. <laughs> and Ed, I wanted to say I love the story. I totally feel like. You know, a lot of people don't realize how hard things can be like to, you know, especially when you come from those backgrounds. Mm. So when you go through it, it's like you really do like, you know, work a lot harder. And if we could bottle it, if we could, if we could bottle Ed's potions and we got to bottle what Ed's got (laughs) to help more people with it or inspire them at least, because I don't think people have the faith anymore. Put his brain in a bottle. Yeah. uh, and, And by the way, what is your name? You're, y'all, you're, oh, oh, you're, oh, hi, I'm Liz. Liz, Liz. your handles don't, don't, don't tell us who you are. The dog, pokey like girl. I'm incognito. Come on, come on. <laughs> All right, but uh, Ed, Ed, go ahead and respond to her if you want. Oh, oh and Ed, yeah. Uh, P.S. The physics. I, I have mad respect because honestly, I that was not my forte either, Susan. I'm with you on that one, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, like, not at all. And I had to like to tutoring every day and I'd be like I don't know when the trajectory of the ball will what's the trajectory of me throwing myself out this window and, and, I, and my physical teacher was always like it's what's more fascinating than this and I'm like anything like I mean, God bless you and everything trust me I wish I was cool Amen. I wish I was that cool so because funny. I'd be like a freaking heart surgeon I'd be I'd be taking over uh, Dr. Drew's chief of surgery or chief of staff position if I was yeah. as smart as you that would be awesome. But so, yeah, so mad props. Let's mad give it, let's get have a chance to respond. Go ahead, Ed. Uh no, nah, man. I, I just, you know, thank you for the con words and and also, <laughs> you know, can we you know bottle up what I have? Yeah. All I, I want to reference what the, what the caller said about rock bottom and he said, you know, your rock bottom is is when you stop digging. I, I am of the belief that one of the the worst things that can happen to you is a high tolerance for pain. Because mm. if you if you're able to suffer, but not in the pursuit of something positive, uh, you're gonna mm-hmm. put yourself through a lot of damage, right? And and for me, I mean, I think I think rock bottom. If we give this to everyone, kind of a general formula, it's that point where where the suffering becomes unbearable. Now, whether that's before you do something irreversible uh, that that alters the course of your life or the lives of other people dramatically, whether it's before or after that is a different story. 
But that is, you know, kind of the, the rock bottom point. And I think if you can get to that point, if we can get people to be be a little less tolerant of of discomfort, maybe a little more ego. Vanity really helped. You know, one of one of my favorite. Mm. I, I heard someone say it, and they said it better than I ever could. When he was talking about his personal transformation, he said, "My life didn't match what my ego thought it should be." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's great. I get that. Yeah. And, yeah. But 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 to have that even be possible, you have to you got to want to be somebody. You got to see yourself as somebody. Whatever it is, you know, a lot of people are really good at sour grape and stuff, or are downplaying. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, no, you you want to be somebody. You want things. Now, whether you want to do what it takes to get mm-hmm. those things, different story. And I think I think sobriety and rock bottom is the same way." I, I genuinely think a lot of most addicts, if not all of them, don't want to be. I really, I really believe that. But you know, whatever force or whatever those things are helping them cope, and that's what makes it work. Mm-hmm. Where you got to one day, mm-hmm. all the treatment in the world doesn't mean anything if you don't, if you're not like, yo, I'm tired of this. But likewise, if you're not mm-hmm. really tired of it, all the treatment <laughs> in the world won't make a difference. That's true. It's very true. Thanks, Liz. Wait, uh, Dr. Drew, my question was actually the, um, can we talk a little bit about the withdrawals of alcohol? I mean, we know that there are some and that they are even fatal. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I guess that that's my question to you, if we could actually kind of dive into that a little bit more, what to expect. Common well, symptoms, alcohol, how- alcohol withdrawal is one of the, it's one of the only drugs that is commonly used that is a carcinogen to most tissue and the withdrawal from it can be fatal. Now, when it becomes fatal is usually when somebody is in severe withdrawal. In my, This has been my, without exception, my experience. A severe withdrawal syndrome, when they get a second illness on top of it, like they get a pneumonia or they get a urinary tract infection, that's what, in my experience, tends to precipitate delirium treatments. And DTs, it's not just shakes and sh- all that. That's, that's shakes. DTs is cardiovascular collapse. You end up on a ventilator, you very likely to to die of it. DTs are very difficult. Uh, withdrawal from alcohol again, the shakes, the shits, the fits, right? The shakes, the shits, and the fits. So you get vomiting and <laughs> diarrhea. You can be very shaky. You can have seizures. We generally treat these things with benzodiazepines, sometimes with anti seizure medication. The only trick with the benzodiazepines is they can they can accumulate if you have alcoholic liver disease. So you have to really watch for that and switch to non-hepatic metabolized benzodiazepines. You also have a risk of seizure two weeks down the line if you treat people with benzodiazepines. So they can't drive a car for a while because they can be driving and suddenly have a seizure. And uh, and people clear. I mean, they get wet brains. They're not thinking the same when they're using it. Alcohol has a profound effect on everything. Ed's here to tell you. He's saying, yeah. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah. So when is like the point where you should be concerned? You know, like oh, like you know, you know. Obviously, the withdrawals aren't going to be enjoyable as they never, you know, are. But like, when should you be like, okay, I'm going to die if I don't go to the emergency room? Or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when to be like? Yeah. If, if you are well, if you drink without break, like in other words, if you get up and drink and go to bed with the last drink, that's a situation where you're probably going to need help. And if you are so shaky that you have trouble moving around, you need help. And okay. it, you know, and if you're weak, if you're severely weak, you can feel like you have the flu sometimes too. And that's a situation where you need help. It, it's just because alcohol withdrawal can be so treacherous. I, there, there are home detox right, right. services these days. People have gotten better at doing it outside of a hospital. 
you know, when I did it, we did it nurse managed in the hospital and that was that. But uh, people forget how dangerous alcohol is. They just completely forget. Liz, thank you. We appreciate you. And Ed, you did not disappoint today. It's exactly what, I mean, you know, I really enjoyed talking to you and, and uh, I enjoy watching your stuff. I'm, I haven't been on your website yet, but I'm going at Lattimore.com. Uh, what's the Twitter handle? Is it just at Lattimore? Is that right? Yep, man. I, I own Ed Lattimore, yep. man, the whole way through Ed Lattimore on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> the website. Thank goodness for How that. How did you do that? <laughs> Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, you, well, you know, you would think because I don't think my name is that complicated, but but no one had any of it. Uh, well, you just picked two random names, like you said. You know, let's, let's try these this name for the website. What about Ed Lattimore? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, we got the website up there. Uh, support Ed. Uh, check out his stuff. He's got some great thoughts. I know you have kind of a stoic philosophy also that creeps in, which I dig. And uh, people can read more about that at, at the website. And uh, do you follow Ryan Holiday and all his stuff? I do follow Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday yeah. gave me a break, yeah. man, one Monday. He let me do a guest post for his site, and I, I knocked it out, I yeah. thought. And uh, Yeah. R Ryan, I've been friends with Ryan since he was in college. And uh, he walked up to me. He was a little journalist. He was doing an article for a newspaper at his college. And he walked to me. He goes, what are you reading right now? And I go, well... I, I'm, you got to understand, I read widely and I'm a nerd. Uh, I am reading this thing called The Enchiridion by Epictetus. It's a, He's a what's called a stoic philosopher, and you might get something out of it. And that started Ryan's whole, the Ryan holiday we know today. We recommend his books, Ego is the Enemy, uh, Obstacles the Way, all that stuff. If you want a, a primer on Ryan and to follow him on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else, he's all over the place. Ed, thank you so much, my friend. If we can do anything to help you, please let us know. Hey, thank you for having me. This was uh, just an incredible, incredible experience, man. Very happy to have been here. I, we're happy you were too. Thank you, my friend. Talk soon. And for the rest of you, God bless. Uh, we appreciate the callers. We appreciate you guys active on Restream. A lot of, lot of support and love for Ed there. And uh, and the usual cantankerousness on the Rumble Rants. We appreciate you guys being over there. Anybody remember when Susan called Loveline? Those phone calls were awesome. What, like the time I got flashed on the freeway? That was a good one. But <laughs> but it, it but it was it was she would call up and and use an ex expletive and, and we'd go, God Susan, you can't do it. She'd go, What? Oh shit, I said fuck. Oh, okay. Now we're like, all right, now, no, I go, now I we don't, don't have I don't <laughs> I don't give a shit. And now we don't and now we don't have the delay anymore because they were resetting from your last expletive. Yeah, I'm not a good guest on so, radio. So that was uh, what made her stuff funny. So we, we tried. <laughs> we tried to contain her. Uh, all right, everybody. But Thank you, Caleb. Happy uh, birthday, Camden. Happy and birthday, you Camden. guys have a beautiful family. I'm really sad you moved away and I can't see you in person. But there it is. But God bless that little muffin. They will all be in Austin one day. Camden Who knows? Nation. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, we are back on Tuesday. Am I right on that, everybody? And uh, we're going to do more caller shows. I mean, strictly call-in shows where you ask me questions. We're headed and to Whitefish, Montana this weekend. We are going to Whitefish, Montana. If any of you guys are, live there. Also, um, we'll be in Austin the following week. So and then back, back to, to New York. <laughs> we're, we're moving around. 105-degree weather. That's we are moving around, everybody, a lot. And uh, Yeah, you don't have to put my face up. Everybody knows. Uh, what is going on? Oh, you, we got to reschedule some stuff uh, on the first week of August. So, what because happened? we're going to be traveling on some of the days that she's got stuff. Oh, booked. she booked somebody in the mm -hmm. August? On the Wednesday when we're, or uh, we're going to go Thursday though, right? No, yeah, we're moving, but we're all the 
uh, equipments in, yeah, in New, New York. York so. She can move them. It's fine. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Yeah.